0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Copland Talk. This week we're going over Chapter 15, Strangers and Friends, where the theme is everyone is crazy in their own special way and also don't trust Moraine. We're still at the inn at the Stag and Lion in Berylon. Something freaky happens to a bunch of rats last night. Rand realizes he was not the only one to have his dream. We meet Min and her wacko visions. And Matt and Rand explore the city and get into some trouble with white cloaks. And Rand might be sick or crazy. Um, And also, surprise at the end, the wisdom is here. Let's go. Hell yeah. So excited. Yes. Oh, I'm Julia, by the way. And Lily, why don't you go ahead and give us your initial impressions? All right. Yes, uh, I'm Lily. Hello. Hello.
1: All right. So since the chapter title is called Strangers and Friends, I just broke down kind of the main players if strangers or are they friends in my estimation okay master fitch he's the innkeeper friend he's a clear friend right mm-hmm. sarah the cook and her cat siri friends obviously okay we love obviously. animals here tom gleeman enemy actually that's an enemy <laughs> Min, stranger we'll get into min stranger definitely definitely strange pad and Fane. um was a friend now is a stranger so he kind of flip-flopped right Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Lord Bornhold stranger potential nemesis
0: though right yes I like that word for him yeah yeah
1: definitely and then Moraine and Lan strangers I think they were approaching I don't think they ever were close to being friends Uh, but they are firmly in the strangers category from when we saw them in chapter 2 strangers and then obviously my girl Nynaeve is back we don't she's not we haven't seen her, much like in Chapter 1. We didn't see Nynaeve, but her presence was so felt that we knew yes, she would we be important.
0: Know. Her aura is... Her aura. Strong. Feelable. Absolutely. <laughs> What's the word called? Yeah, tangible? Tangible, yes. Thank you. Uh, feelable it gets the point across, though. It's the definition of tangible, so... <laughs>
1: yeah, I think we're there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited uh, Nynaeve is back. But uh, a lot happens uh, in this chapter. So, Julia, mm-hmm.
0: take it away. All right. So our summary. Before we begin, I just want to point out that the symbol at the start of this chapter, we've kind of dropped the ball, <laughs> or maybe I have, uh, about talking about the symbols for every chapter because they mm-hmm. are kind of cool. Uh, but this one is the sunburst, which is the sigil for the white cloak. So I just wanted to Ooh. mention that. That's what it looks like. on. They have it on, like... Uh, somewhere on their cloak. Okay.
1: It's I, yellow. I know you had mentioned that the chapter images mm-hmm. were I don't know important, but it maybe there's some clue to them. Like I know there's some with the so They're last chapter
0: in some way. Yeah,
1: last chapter Stag and the Lion, it's the um curved yin yang. The dragon fang. The dragon, thank you, the dragon fang. Yeah. Yeah, maybe at the beginning of the summary, you'll just, you'll just drop that in. Because to me, I just am like, this. pretty.
0: (laughs) Pretty sun. It's cool. Daylight outside. It's a sun. All right. So anyway, that's pretty much all it is. It's just a sun and the white cloaks have that as their (laughs) thing on their cloak. Anyway, so we start the chapter Rand is waking up to find that everyone has already left the inn to explore the city without them, how- or without him, how dare they? (laughs) He rushes to get ready and decides to take Tam's sword with him while he explores so he can live out his dream of walking around with a sword on his hip, although he denies it, but we know the truth, Rand. Down in the kitchen, he overhears the innkeeper's fight with the cook, Sarah. Apparently, patrons of the inn are complaining about Sarah's cat, Siri, who massacred some rats the night before, according to them. Over a dozen rats were found dead with their backs broken. Suspiciously just like Rand's dream last chapter. Obviously, this puts quite a damper on Rand's mood, so he goes to find Perrin, who isn't feeling too well and has stayed behind. It turns out He and maybe Matt also had a similar dream last night, and neither of them slept well. They all want to tell someone, but they don't know if they can trust Moraine. That's kind of, again, the theme of the chapter. So Rand leaves Perrin to nap and goes out to explore the city, but doesn't make it literally one step onto the street before being overwhelmed by the crowds. I get it. He ends up <laughs> yeah. sitting on a barrel at the back of the inn, which is where we meet the woman named Min that we saw last chapter. She's the one wearing the pants with the short oh. hair that he can't tell if it's a man or a woman. Surprise <laughs> Rand! Not every woman has her hair braided and long. I know. Not all of them have to wear a dress. Anyway. <laughs> um, She, Min, knows Moraine's real name and has the ability to see things around people that predicts their future... Kind of like the old crone soothsayer trope, but she's young and hot. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll get to her visions around the Emmonsfield folks later. There's a lot to unpack there. She scares off Rand by telling him, you can't escape from me, <laughs> sending him literally running into the streets uh. of Berylon, crowds be damned. And while he's out in Berylon, Rand finds the peddler, and Fane, who came to Emmonsfield before... Except Fane has gone full golem mode, as I'll call it. Mm -hmm. He's dirty and disheveled and tries to run away from Rand, begging him not to tell Moraine that he is alive. Another person who doesn't trust Moraine. More to unpack there. While chasing Fane, Rand literally runs into Matt, who confirms that he had the same dream as Rand and Perrin. And again, they decide telling Moraine could be dangerous and Perrin should be warned, so they start back to the inn. And on the way, we'll get into this again more later, Matt comes up with a super hilarious prank to piss off the pretentious white cloaks, (laughs) and Rand gets himself in trouble for laughing at them. (sighs) And that's pretty much where we leave the chapter off. The boys find Tom, they tell him everything, and he also agrees that it's not good to tell Moraine for now. And just as they're walking into the inn, Perrin runs out to tell them that Nynaeve is here, and everyone's terrified. (laughs) That's the Trollocs, Moraine...
1: Nynaeve, she is the Nynaeve. scary one. The was person right, you've known yeah. your
0: entire life.
1: Okay. All right. Fear her. Mm-hmm. Fear her. She's actually the
0: scary one, definitely. <laughs> so before we get into anything, yes. I just wanted to go over the new characters this chapter. Yes. Um, so we have Sarah. She's the cook for the Stag and Lion Inn. She has a cat named Siri, who is being blamed for all the dead rats. Min is the woman, she's a few years older than Rand, who can see people's future Padden Fane is back. He was the peddler who brought the fireworks to Emmons field back on winter night. (laughs) He loves attention and was thought to be dead after the Trolloc attack. Remember how Tom made sure to mention that Trollocs eat anything, and so they all assumed he was probably eaten. Mm -hmm. But he's suddenly shown up in Berylon. And we also have Lord Bornhald, who is the white cloak captain or something like that, who, again, the victim of Matt's prank and confronts Rand. Those are the main players this chapter i would like to say that
1: early on i had said this entire book is just about the victims of matt's pranks and like mm-hmm. them getting revenge i mean are you wrong that's what i'm saying am i wrong yeah seems like because we'll get there but i was very confused about the white cloaks interaction i didn't know like what the conflict was. was. Like, did they run into them? Did they say something? Like, did Lord Bornhold, like, point them out? I couldn't figure out yeah, what was we'll happening there.
0: Basically, their okay. white cloaks were besmirched with mud, and that's the ultimate defense, because Rand laughed at them. So... <laughs> uh-huh. it, and they didn't know who did it. Matt was actually pretty sneaky about it. He was hiding up in, like, someone's attic. Like, Lord knows how he got into someone's attic, and to, like, lean out the window to shoot his... Uh, slingshot at them but he did it and uh, Rand paid the price but it was also kind of his own fault
1: Matt's like the classic guy in any like village or town who's like super talented but like uses all of his skills for the worst reasons it's like yeah. you're like a great you have great uh, aim you're like really um, sneaky and stealthy and you're very mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. like you can figure out these pranks and stuff and then it's just right. using it for, to be a shithead no for his own of... pleasure
0: he's like i don't care about you know doing whatever's right i no. just want to take these guys down a peg which again matt no matt's a very crucial part of this group
1: like his uh, we'll yeah. we'll get there but i really want to unpack each of their uh what would what would it be called men's predictions for the each of them because oh, it's, yeah. it's really telling um, for their character there's so much there um all right, do you want to get into some stuff? Because I, yes. before we get yeah. into men's predictions, I just right. wanted to talk about, back to last chapter, the dream. And so it's revealed yeah. in this chapter that Matt and Perrin both had the same dream. Mm-hmm. So we know they had the same dream because it's confirmed that they saw the, the backs breaking uh, of yes. the rats and yes. BL's mom, and that's all there. So... Right. The thing that's interesting is that in the dream, Bial's mom tells Rand, because it was his perspective last chapter, like, he's the one. Like, I've been watching Mm -hmm. you, I know you down Mm -hmm. to your smallest hair, all this stuff. So it would seem that if the other boys had the same dream, they were also told they were the one. Because as we talked about um, how the dream was described, it was like Rand couldn't see his face, it was hazy. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like this is ran. This is just an overall dream. Now, I have a little bit of something to add here because I was listening to uh, our pod and it was mentioned. This was like chapters ago. But you said something and said Moraine is really interested. No, it's not a spoiler. It just it blew something in my mind. So you said Moraine's really interested in Rand's dreams. So the one I was listening to Uh, was after Ran brings Tam to Emmons Field, after Tam's been attacked by Trollocs and he's dying, and Ran goes to Moraine to get her to save Tam, and he's trying to explain to her how dire the situation is, and she's asking about his dreams. And Mm -hmm. you say, Moraine is interested in Rand's dreams. Like, keep that in mind. And then I'm like, hold on. So we have this dream. And then very specifically in this dream, Biel's mom is like, don't trust Aes Sedai. They're using you. So are these dreams that is all being orchestrated by Moraine for her to like implant into Ran this distrust of her? But like she's using that distrust Mm -hmm. to her advantage. I'm really Mm -hmm. reaching here. But I just think the dreams that Ran is having and also Matt and Perrin, they're tied to Aes Sedai.
0: Yeah. And I think they are in some way, definitely. I mean, they're yeah. this whole fantasy world. Like, the Aes Sedai are the only people in this world who wield magic like yeah. they do. And no one knows how it works except for them because they're very closed off, like Moraine obviously is. Uh, she's not answering any questions. She's just saying, if I answered all your questions, it would take like weeks to get anything <laughs> right. done. So shut up and just say yes. Um, so, like, no, I think that's a very valid question to be like. Is she causing this? I think even one of the boys was like, uh, they're giving us dreams now. Well, so, yeah. Like, who's I mean, doing it's this just, to us?
1: I guess because this book series is so intricate and every detail matters, at least to me, it's interesting to, like, go back to listen to our pods to get the summary of, of those chapters uh, previously. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that could still be important for what's happening now. Or maybe it's not. But I just found that... Uh, I found that interesting. Yeah.
0: No, no, it's definitely interesting. I love that you made that connection because I was kind of waiting for it. I think Rand does mention at some point in this chapter, like, he has a thought to himself, like, she did say that she could help with nightmares or something like that. Well,
1: right. And it's weird that all three of them usually agree that they shouldn't tell Moraine. Like, not one is like, well, she is protecting us. Like, why can't we tell right. her? And then why, why do they deem Tom Gleeman the one that they're telling? Why is the... Why is the Gleeman why has he turned into this like mentor and this trustworthy person? I don't Yeah. this has confused me forever. Why is he with the group? There's no reason for him to be
0: Yeah. No, there's he has no valid reason that he's said to be with the group other than like he wants to like explore and go perform or whatever and they're going to and whatever. What He can do all of that on his be? own. He's not the one who needs protection. Right. So it's not it doesn't seem right. But In terms of the boys wanting to, like, talk to someone about this, Tom is the only adult who is not involved with Maureen. Because Lan is there, but, you know, they've heard that if you tell an Aes Sedai's ward or something, you've basically told the Aes Sedai. Yeah. So, Tom is kind of the only person with any real-world perspective they can go to. So, like, in that way, I can see that he might be the only person who might know what to do besides them. Because they've already talked amongst themselves, and... Can't
1: figure out what to do. Putting it in that perspective, it makes sense. It's it's pretty bleak though when the only trustworthy adult is a <laughs> fucking gleeman. Like that's yeah not great. But yeah, that makes sense. It's like if the dream is telling you not to trust Aes Sedai, Lan is pretty much Aes Sedai, So
0: right, you know he you can't, can't go to him for that right now. Like they they don't trust him enough. I think rightfully at this point, based on what they know, to be able yeah. to tell him and, and hope that he wouldn't tell Moraine, <laughs> which right. like I think he would immediately. Right, but. Also about the dream, so Balzaman breaks a rat's back in front of Rand and Matt and Perrin. But also when they wake up, it turns out over a dozen rats are dead, all with their backs broken, in real life, by the inn. And then remember Balzaman said... When Rand was saying, like, this is just a dream, it doesn't matter, he says, is this a dream? Does it matter? Do you think you're safe from me in your dreams? Just before killing the rat. And then the next morning, a bunch of rats are found dead with their back broken. It seems like this is, like, a threat, kind of. Okay, in I, I'm forgetting, but in the dream, did Bial's
1: mom only kill one rat with the broken yes, back? just one. Okay, yeah. so it's revealed that over a dozen rats have their back broken. So does yes. that mean that this dream was played out over uh, over 12 different people? You know what I mean? So it's like there are mm-hmm. three rats with their backs mm-hmm. broken to represent Matt, Perrin, and Ran. Were all of the other rat deaths because other people had this exact same dream too across the world? Yeah, I mean, we don't know. Because um, back in Emmons Field, Master Thane's son also saw the black cloaked rider, but we're not mm-hmm. sure if he's part of this either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, is, is this protection that the three of them are getting are the reason that the Trollocs attacked Emmonsfield is because of these three boys. But are there other boys in the world that this is also happening to? I'm getting kind of
0: I'm getting too theory-y. So, well, it's a big series. Anything could happen. But yeah, that's just obviously a very creepy thing. A literal nightmare come to life. Okay, so Min. We meet Min, finally, not just seeing her in a hallway. Rand is sitting outside the inn after getting overwhelmed by the crowds. And she comes up to him and kind of makes a joke like, oh, a sheep with a Heronmark sword, now I'll believe anything. And kind of, you know, teases him for a while. And eventually they get around to the fact that she knows Moraine. And apparently she knows other people like Moraine, too. hmm And then she goes into her visions. Mm -hmm. So it seems like other Aes Sedai have been through Berylon, or at least have met Min, and Moraine kind of knew about her coming into the city, and Min was able to find her because she could, quote, see that Moraine was different. And probably she must have gone up to her and said something, or something along those lines. Or she could just see that she's different because Moraine was
1: literally floating with ethereal (laughs) clothing and a bead on her fucking forehead. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not trying that hard to hide yourself. Also, I thought Min, uh, in the previous chapter when Moraine um, goes to talk to her, I thought that meant she's Aes Sedai. So I assume that Min was Aes Sedai because she's associated with Moraine at all, but I guess
0: that's not. It seems like not, probably. Okay. Or at least if she is, they're trying to hide that connection. Okay. Uh, because, you know, you would assume that Moraine would kind of like acknowledge her or something or like. It seems like her ability is different from at least what Moraine could do. Because if Moraine could do the same thing, right, she wouldn't want to talk to Min and want to like have her look at the group.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, this is true. But also if Moraine had the ability to see, she doesn't talk to any of them anyway. So it's not like she would reveal these visions anyway. Um, Very true, yeah. Also, I think it's interesting that because Min... Min mentions Moraine's name, and then Rand's like, uh, who? <laughs> <What?"> yeah. <laughs> He's trying real hard. She's like, oh, well, she... Min says, Moraine told me her name. And so I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting. Because Moraine doesn't seem mm-hmm. to be a person who would be intimidated or, like, thrown off by anything. So I wonder if most people don't come up to her and they're like, are you Aes Sedai? Yeah, yeah. And so I... I mean, how Min's saying it, it's making it seem like their interaction went... Min went, hey, I'm having visions about you. You seem different. Moraine's like, yeah, I am. Am I sti-? Actually, my name's Moraine. Right. You know, obviously it went different than this. But here in Barilana, I'm Mistress Alice, so just do that. And then Min sticks around and so that she runs into Ran and then just tells him this entire information dump. It's just... Seems really convenient that Min's just around to give them. It is at least someone's yeah. talking to them. Well, though she
0: lives, she lives in Barilin. That's why she met Moraine there on okay. Moraine's way down. So she just she's there anyway. And Moraine was asking after her when they first arrived. Okay, right. But maybe she's like in her little back pocket, like always waiting for Moraine. I don't know. But that's all besides the point. Why don't we get into her visions? Yes. She calls them, or she says Moraine calls them, her seeing pieces of the pattern. Matt calls her a soothsayer. It all kind of means the same thing. She sees, like, images around someone's head of, like, certain things, and she always knows what it means. But some of the visions she has of the group, she's not really sure of, so that's kind of interesting. She's not really able to suss out what it all means to her. Only a few things. She sees visions and she knows what they mean in terms of what? In terms of the end game? In terms of like- In terms of like, like she'll see a man and a woman, like she says, who have never spoken to each other before, and she'll see some image of like, I don't know, say rings over both their heads and they're connected in some way. And she's like, oh, I know that means they'll get married. Okay. Or I don't know, see some image over someone's head. And that means that he's going to break his leg later in the day. Or at some point. Yeah, it's like tarot card reading. to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, she's able to interpret them. And she's usually, like, if she can tell what it means, then it always happens the way that she thinks it will. Oh, I see. Okay. So she's highly accurate when All she right. knows what it means. So when she sees everyone in a group, like Matt, Perrin, Rand, Moraine, Lan, and Egwene, she says... There are sparks swirling around them, trying to fill this large shadow that's looming over them, while the shadow tries to swallow the sparks. And her interpretation of that is that they're all tied together in something dangerous. And that means everyone, including Egwene and Tom. So with her seeing the sparks around
1: the group and they're tied together in something dangerous... To me, I can interpret this either as they're tied together in something dangerous, meaning the trollic attack that they all experience, or Mm -hmm. they're tied together in something dangerous that has not yet happened yet, which Mm -hmm. is probably the more likely thing. And then the whole Mm -hmm. sparks being swallowed in darkness type of thing could mean a ton of shit, obviously. Like the dark or the light combining the dark type of force thing, you know, when the wands hit each other and the two spells Mm -hmm. and they're like... You know what I'm talking
0: about? Yeah, it's kind of like a like uh oh, it's like a metaphor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that's my genius insight. Anyway,
1: yeah, I, I, we'll we'll leave it at that with the group because I think the individual predictions are much more interesting. So she says yes. that Rand and Egwene are in love, and that gives Rand a little Aww. hope. So she loves me, of course she does, dude. Um, but they can't be together. Um, because mm-hmm. you know I don't think she says this, but it, it's pretty much because Egwene is an Aes Sedai and mm-hmm. she's not going to resist becoming one and that's going to prevent her from being with Rand, at least that's what I uh, predicted. So like what you were saying with Men's example of two people who I know are going to be married, they're going to have this image. So she gets this image of Rand and Egwene that they're in love with each other but she doesn't get the, they're going to get married, she gets like their relationship yeah. just won't yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really sad because I don't know. It's just, it makes me sad. It's like they're in love with each other. And I think when they were first leaving and they were getting all their horses together to leave Emmett's Field and Egwene and Rand have this interaction, but like the last interaction they have where they're cool with each other
0: and they're like, I'll look after you and you'll look after me. They've had some very sweet moments and I can only assume some sweet moments before the book even began too. Yeah. You know, what about her slim figure, Rand? Yeah. What about the (laughs) slender shape?
1: Come on, (laughs) Braid. That? Yeah um but yeah I don't know that just that kind of made me sad but I think it's also a little note to readers too where it's like this isn't a love story right this isn't right, about yeah. that it's, yes. it's much bigger than that but also I think it's interesting too that uh Egwene being a female her point in her life isn't about a love story yes! it's about becoming a fucking Aes
0: Sedai Yes, no, this is all right. I was gonna bring this up or I wasn't sure if I should or not. But like, yes, yes. I love that the only like young girl in this group who starts off as Rand's love interest, and that's pretty much it has now kind of found a new purpose for her own character. And here's another person confirming that they aren't meant for each other. That is like her loving Rand isn't all that she is. And I it's so good. It like immediately breaks that trope, which is really nice because yeah. right now the book is just very like centered around Rand and like yeah. men and stuff, but that's not what the series does. Yeah. Which I love.
1: No, I I appreciate that. And I think that my previous comments about being um not liking that mer uh, Egwene is I said I I do like that now because it, you're right, it gives her another purpose. It kind of reminds me of how the disney movie uh excellent disney movie moana was like the first disney movie where a, what had a female lead that wasn't her her story wasn't about finding love yeah which is sad because that came out in 2016 come on disney but i, I yeah i appreciated that that bit and, and also just so Rand can understand that and be like all right you don't have to move on dude but like because just because you two can't be together doesn't mean you can't still love each other. And I think right, that's gonna yeah. make me cry. But it's very <laughs> powerful. <laughs> Fuck. Um yeah, I, I, I really liked that one. And yeah, Egwene Egwene's a badass. I appreciate her. Egwene, I I am sorry if I said anything that wasn't supportive of your journey, but I support <laughs> you. Okay? I do. It's no, good. Do. It's fine.
0: You know, we're only fifteen chapters into the book, so yeah. there's a lot of time to learn to love all the characters exactly or not the next one i want to
1: get into is lan yes so his min's prediction for lan was uh seven ruined towers around his head and a babe in a cradle holding a sword i'm not going to talk about this too much because i have a prediction about this okay but interesting to me seven towers right this is kind
0: of the where min knowing how to interpret her visions ends. Like everyone oh, yeah. after this point is like, who the fuck knows what's going on? Well, that on. That's what I like it. Cause
1: now we can get into sort of what we think about right.
0: each yeah. of them. Let's get Why some not- Copland talk up in here. Let's
1: get some, come on, let's get into this. So again, I'm not going to talk about land too much cause it's in my predictions, but do you have anything you want to talk about with that? I can't say
0: anything here. You're out. The, here's the thing <laughs> is like, this is so much fun to read back, but uh-huh. I can't really say anything about okay, it. Okay. So. All right.
1: So... It's going to be me. I'm. So that's Lan. Yes. So that's Lan. Okay. next? Next is Tom Gleeman. Okay. Here we go. A man, not him, juggling fire and a white tower. Okay. So quick connections. White tower, Aes Sedai, right? But it says a man, not him, juggling fire. So when I first read this, I was like, all right, if this prediction is about Tom Gleeman becoming Aes Sedai, I'm literally out. I am not here (laughs) for this book series. But I thought that this prediction intentionally is making it clear that he is not himself, Tom himself is not Aes Sedai, but he's tied to the Aes Sedai somehow because it says a man, not him, juggling fire. And we know Mm -hmm. that handling fire light, that's, uh, to me, that's an obvious connection to LTT, our boy, Lucerin Kinslayer. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think that Tom is not... I Sedai. Or it means that he goes to Tarvalon and does his stupid magic show. And that's what it means. He's just is is at the white. <laughs> Maybe Tower. he is, and he has
0: got like a, a fire juggling partner, and that's yeah, what it is. Exactly. And he has great success there, and that's why it's part of his future. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I think
1: he'll be really big in Tarvalon. He'll be he'll be, yeah. He's like Cher in Las Vegas. Exactly. I don't, you can cut Tommy's that share. That's quite the compliment. Well, wow. <laughs> anywho. <laughs> okay. Next, we have Perrin, who I couldn't figure this out at first because she just describes him as shaggy hair. That's mm. Perrin, apparently. Yes. Yeah. He's described as that a lot yes. in the series. Yeah. she got our shaggy hair boy. So he yes. is, his prediction is a wolf and a broken crown and trees flowering all around him. I love this prediction for him. So Mm -hmm. first of all, wolves, we could do a whole thing on this. Wolves continue to come up in this series. In the first chapter, we're told that wolves are terrorizing crops. And now we have this wolf prediction. I think there was something else about wolves. Like it keeps coming up. But to me, anytime a wolf is mentioned, especially singular like this, it's like a lone wolf, right? Parent, Mm -hmm. a lone Mm -hmm. wolf, broken crown. Mm -hmm. Does that mean he... He gets to the point of royalty, but then is dethroned or doesn't have it. Or he never reaches that point. Trees flowering all around him. I don't know. I I think it could be that. I think it could possibly just be describing his sigil, kind of where he ends up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think whatever happens, though, Perrin is with Rand till the fucking end. That is Rand's right-hand guy, I think. Because Perrin, he's described as... You know the gentle giant, as you said, the, yeah. the the big guy, the protector. So I think he is, um, God, who, who is? I don't know. If anyone's watched the uh, Last Kingdom on Netflix, here's my reference. He's like the nope. Leofric to Utrid. Anyway, I'll move on. Okay, so
0: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I you. totally got that reference.
1: Totally, totally got that. Everyone. All right, next up, Matt, who Min describes as the other one. Turns out the other one is Matt. (laughs) Thank you, Min. We get it. So Matt's prediction by Min, a red eagle, an eye on a balanced scale, a dagger with a ruby, a horn, and a laughing face. Quite a few more. Yeah. So I think, again, this could be describing his type of sigil. I think that the laughing face is a reference to Matt's demeanor, right? His Mm -hmm. being the comic relief of the group, something like that. The eye on a balance scale, that feels very Aes Sedai, eye of the world mm-hmm. type of uh, situation. A dagger with a ruby, maybe that could be like his sick, his sword, you know? You know, in Game of True. Thrones, how they have the Valyrian yeah. steel dagger that plays a huge yeah. part in the series could be something like that. But again, I think you're right. Like, Min isn't able to, able to interpret these anymore. They're just images. So that really, all they could be, they're just images. Who knows? So. Right, yeah. Couldn't get a lot from that. And then we get Rand's. And Rand kinda cuts it off because he's doesn't want to hear about it. He's insecure. All right. No. He's scared. So we get a sword that isn't a sword. Which hello. What does that mean? Anywho, anywho. Oh. Uh, a <laughs> uh, It's just trap. a stick. Okay. That's how I read it, as a stick. Yeah. Definitely. Uh a crown. <laughs> oh. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> a sword that isn't a sword. It's saucy. I'm sorry. Anyway, I, my face is red. Um, a golden crown of laurel leaves, a beggar's mm-hmm. staff, you pouring water on sand, a bloody hand, white hot iron, three women, hello, standing over a funeral pyre, buyer with you on I know, it. They
0: call it like a beer. I don't know. Uh,
1: I don't know. Black rock wet with blood. And at that point, Rand is like, oh, OK, all right, all right. I don't want to hear anymore. Right. Okay. Obviously, Rand. We're in his perspective. He seems to be an important part of this book series, right? Right? Eh? I don't know. Seems like it. So he gets a big he gets a big prediction, and it's hard for me to grasp anything out of this. But the sword right. that isn't a sword. I, it's not about a penis, but anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I think though that the sword, the heron sword that he's carrying, I don't think this is literally about a sword, but. It's mentioned by Min, it's mentioned by Lord Bornhold about Rand's sword. This sword mm-hmm. is important, but I don't think Rand knows how important this sword is or what this sword means. And it has something to do with my prediction. But um I think that's going to play a large part in his journey moving forward, this sword and like if he's able to wield it, what it means about his title, stuff like that. Um, I think a lot of the prediction also is themed around um his death and violence and things like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. um so that could be part of his future but I couldn't get much out of this very very confusing really all we know is that he and Egwene they love each other can't be together because their their destiny is more than that which is beautiful also very sad
0: yeah he did have one more that Min got out at the end. Okay, yeah. <laughs> After he tells her to shut up, she's she's just gonna keep going to keep going because she doesn't care. She said, but mostly there's lightning striking at him and also coming out of him. And that's the final one.
1: I can't believe I didn't write that down because that's huge. And to me, what that means, LTT all the way. That's exactly what we got from the prologue with LTT. Lightning coming out of him. Him being hit by lightning at least that's how it's described in the prologue him bolting himself when he makes the mountain all of those things are very Mm -hmm. the bolt event of course (laughs) um but I think it's not a mistake that these themes keep coming up and they're relating back to LTT I am the one saying they're relating to Luz Theron but I'm pretty sure that's true because the only other male that we have in the story that is talked about having lightning coming out of him using the one power that's Luce Theron. So I'm thinking that there's a connection there. That was my first ever prediction that it was the people we're talking about now are descendants of Luce Theron. I don't know if that's true, but Rand, he has to have some connection to all this.
0: All right. I mean, obviously for all of this, I'm going to just keep my hands yeah. up. And I'm not going to say anything to yeah. it, but... Um... Yeah, very interesting visions that Min gives him. And obviously it scares Rand a lot. Yes. No, Rand's... (laughs) Oh, there was one more, actually, I forgot. Just take it from here, because I think I missed it more. Okay, no, no, no. The other last thing that Min says is that the only thing she knows that she can interpret from these visions around Rand is that Rand and Min will meet again, and Min... Doesn't seem to understand that part either. Rand notes that she gives him a quizzical look when she mentions it. And then she says, very cryptically, but kind of teasingly, If I told you everything I saw, you'd be as curly-haired as your friend with the shoulders, A.K. Perrin. So, that's another prediction. The only other concrete one is that Rand and Min will meet again at some point. Rand's like, well, obviously, it'll be on my way back home, back from the adventure, going back to Emmons Field. I'll have to pass through here anyway, so that makes sense. Hmm.
1: It's like when Melisandre tells Arya, we'll see you again, type of thing. Did, did they? Yeah, well, we don't have to go there
0: because. Yeah, yeah, let's not get into Game of Thrones. I don't want to rant and ruin know, my I'm day s- today. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it's it seems weird. I think
1: anytime someone tells you, I'm going to see you again, that's really creepy, especially if you just met that person. Yeah. And then
0: tells him that she can't, or he can't escape her. So, which obviously reminds him of Balzaman saying, you can't run away from me.
1: It's so funny, like, every time we podcast, I do my notes, and I feel like I have a good grasp on kind of what I want to say, and then we start talking about it, and then I just am thrown off a cliff. Like, I really Whoops. am confused. It's good, though. I just don't want to... <laughs> every podcast, I'm like, I'm confused. And that's my job. All right, so, would we like to move on to Pat and Fane and what the fuck he's yes. up to?
0: <laughs> okay, so Pat and Fane... Rand randomly runs into him out in Berlan as he is exploring. And this is not the same man that we met in the Two Rivers. Like, when he was there, he was a little weird looking like gangly and has a big nose, whatever. But right now, he's described as a bony little man with long arms and a big nose. Shoving hurriedly through the crowd in clothes that looked like a bundle of rags, his eyes were sunken and his dirty face gaunt, as if he had not eaten or slept in days. Not great. Last time we saw him was before the trollic attack, and after that point we all assumed he was dead because he was gone, but now here he is in Baerlawn, at the same time as like Rand and everyone else, which means he must have been traveling there really quickly. I mean, to be fair who wouldn't just run Mm -hmm. after getting attacked by Trollocs. Mm -hmm. And he's he's acting really strange. Like he was already kind of weird and attention seeking now, but like he runs away from Rand. He doesn't want to talk to him. And then when Rand finally catches up to him, he's acting all like weird and like, don't tell Moraine that I'm alive. Like he says like, oh she's the Aes Sedai and a guarded look came over his face. And he makes Rand promise that he won't tell her that she's alive. She frightens me, he says. There's no need to be telling her. No reason for Anais Sedai to even be knowing I'm alive. You have to promise you have to. So he's very rattled right now. And Rand is trying to comfort him throughout all of this, because he knows him as the peddler who comes every year, and he's obviously, it must be jarring to see this man that you've known for a while, suddenly, like this... And it tells Fane that they're staying at the Stag and Lion and that they can help him get back to the Two Rivers so he can go back and get his horse. And Fane seems mildly receptive to this idea and asks how long he'll be at the inn, mm-hmm. but ultimately runs away again, which is how Rand meets Matt. So, what- I don't know, what's your perspective on this? Like, how- what- what, what did you think? Were you surprised to see Fane again? Um... I guess not really because right isn't it in any story it's true it's if you don't
1: see someone die most likely they're not dead type of thing it's just interesting to me that everyone who was involved in this trolloc attack in the two rivers has this innate uh feeling that they're supposed to keep it quiet they're not supposed to talk about it don't talk about this don't talk about that you know about ice. don't talk about that you saw trollocs like no one's supposed to know which I think is interesting right if this tragedy happened you're You know, don't you want to tell people? But I guess not. They don't want to have the attention on Emmons field. Not sure about that. I think it's interesting that she, that Pat and Fane's like, don't tell Moraine as if she doesn't know he's there. Of course she does. (laughs) I think she knows all. Well, yeah, her powers would be able to sense he's around, I think. But I think he's so uh, inconsequential to this uh, story. I don't think he's part of the sparks that Min is seeing. So it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But he's scared of the Aes Sedai, so I think that's important to note. Yet another person who's afraid of Aes Sedai, who doesn't even want to be near her, can't trust her. So I think that's yeah. uh, important to take into account. He says she frightens me. But yeah, I don't I don't see a reason why this is important though. Why is Patton Fan important? The only thing he offered to the story was telling Emmons Field that there was reports of a false dragon in Gildon.
0: Mm-hmm. And he sold yeah.
1: pins to Whit Conger. That was it. <laughs>
0: that was very important.
1: That was crucial, and it was very sad because his card got destroyed.
0: I know, poor Pad and vain. He's gonna have to build himself back from the ground up. But he's, his horses but are alive. But he needs
1: to eat something first of all. Very <laughs> gaunt. <laughs> yeah. Very no, looking he's like serious Black struggling. coming coming off of his his trip in Azkaban. But right. I think I don't know. I just don't, I don't find this that interesting to me.
0: Like, no, he, I think the main They ran point, into each other, whatever. Yeah. For this interaction is just, like you said, here's another person who really doesn't trust Moraine. And Rand is already in his head, like, wondering if it's worth it to tell Moraine about the dreams. Like, right. she can help with nightmares, but what would she do if she knew? And, like, Balzaman in the dream says, like, what would they do if... What would Aes Sedai in general do if they knew that you know these dangerous names that I just told you now? So... It's kind of just feeding into that distrust that Rand has for her. So, I think that's the ultimate takeaway from this interaction, at least. Yeah. Okay. Alright, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, after that, Rand meets up with Matt, who confirms that he also had the same dream. And they decide to go back to the inn to warn Perry not to say anything to Moraine. Because, again, they're like, she can't know. Mm-hmm. And on the way back, why don't we get into the white cloaks and the hijinks Yeah. Matt pulls? And also Rand being sick. Yeah, actually, something. could you talk about this? Because I I got that he was tired, but I am not
1: realizing how maybe important it is to note that he's not feeling well. I, yeah. I didn't write that so, down.
0: I thought it only started when he's walking back to Matt. Or mm-hmm. walking back with Matt to the inn. But I went through the chapter again and I pulled all the quotes and the times where he mentions his head feeling not great. Okay. And it's it literally starts at the beginning of the chapter when he wakes up. Uh-huh. His head still hurt. It was worse, not better. He went downstairs at the inn, more slowly this time, rubbing his temple. This is after he talks to Perrin mm-hmm. about the dream. And then after he's overwhelmed by the busy streets of Berylon and he goes back to sit on the barrel... He said, going back inside the inn did not appeal to him, though, not with this headache. So here's the headache again. And when Min is talking about her visions with the group, he says, his headache was fading to numbness. His head felt packed with wool. This is kind of when he's getting overwhelmed by her visions, I think. So that may not be relevant to it, but it felt maybe relevant. And then it really begins when Matt... Is um or when he and Matt are talking about the rats around the inn and Rand's kind of like giving him the lowdown. Rand thinks to himself he did not feel as afraid at saying it, meaning the rats, as he would have earlier. He did not feel much of anything. His voice rang in his ears. Even the thought of the one power being used on him did not bother him. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here because they're yeah. talking about like getting healing and stuff. But, you know, here it's kind of like if anyone's fainted before, when you're kind of tunnel visioning and you everything sounds kinda of weird. That's yeah. how I'm imagining he's feeling in this moment. Mm-hmm. And then his whole encounter sorry. Alan was playing with this curtain we made. Alan And then the whole encounter with the White Cloaks, where mm-hmm. Matt has taken his slingshot and he's destroyed this cart next to the White Cloaks, which splashes mud all over them. Rand is just standing there, like, laughing at them. Mm-hmm. So when they first see the white cloaks, Rand thinks, I should be afraid or curious, but he stared at them passively instead. And he doesn't quite seem to be in full control of his actions here. Like, it could, it could just be, you know, like, young man, I'm wearing a sword on my hip for the first time. <laughs> like, you could just write it off as that. But there's a few moments that make it seem like it's more, where after Matt splashes their white cloaks... Rand thinks he couldn't help laughing. The humor seemed wrapped in wool, but it was still funny. So there's that wool reference again. Okay. And then when the leader, Lord Bornhold, comes up to Rand and he accuses him, Rand tries to... cover his sword, <laughs> mm-hmm. but instead he sweeps his cloak back like a madman, showing off his hair-marked blade to them. Uh-huh. But it's it literally says that he moves to cover his sword, because Bornhold is looking at it and kind of, like, eyeing him up like he might be trouble. Right. But instead of doing what he wants to do, he sweeps his cloak back and acts aggressive. <laughs> okay. And t- he tells the white cloaks, oh, I just arrived in Berylon, you wouldn't know of a good inn, would you? And while he's saying this, a tingling thrill ran along Rand's arms and legs. He felt flushed, almost warm. And then eventually that tingling fills Rand and the heat had grown to a fever. He wanted to laugh, it felt so good. He felt so full of energy, nearly bursting with it. Smiling, he rocked on his heels and waited for what was going to happen with the white cloaks. And vaguely, distantly, he wondered what it could be. Okay. You,
1: You summarizing all this and putting it all together is like... Uh, again, because I can't stop comparing him to Luz Theron, like, is this, is this the taint on Sadine? Is this affecting him? The insanity? Because it's, you're right, he's not, it's it's said so many times, so Rand must be feeling ill for some reason, because right. he just had this experience with this dream, he's really
0: scared, they've been traveling mm-hmm. a lot, he's not getting a lot of sleep or, or nutrition. I know. there's plenty of reasons that he probably isn't feeling good right now. Right,
1: and like, Maybe, you know, there hasn't been much humor involved in the past few days. So maybe it's just (laughs) a release of sort. Uh, Maybe it's not that intense. But yeah, to me, it's like, all right, well, we keep hearing about males who have the ability to touch Sadine do go insane because of this taint. Um, So it could be that. But yeah, it also just could be Rand is just not... Feeling well at all. I couldn't imagine being him right now. You're not getting any information. The only
0: information you're getting right. is from men who's saying, like, yeah. you're going to die. And it's just, it's right. Rough. A week ago, your dad was dying and you were carrying him yeah. through the night and avoiding Trollocs and Emerdral who are looking for you. Yeah. Like, there's a lot going on. And at the end, when Matt comes up to him and calls him crazy, Rand kind of snaps out of it very suddenly Um, The quote is, Rand drew a deep breath and abruptly it was all gone like a pricked bubble. He staggered as it vanished, the realization of what he had just done flooding back into him. So, he's just kind of like, he was out of it. He was out of it for a while.
1: That's like the same, the prologue keeps seeping its way back in to every chapter, but isn't this not... Like when Luz Farron is Luz Theron is, is insane and he's acting like he has amnesia and he's stepping over his dead wife. Eliana! And then mm-hmm. EMT comes in and and heals him and he gets sanity back and then realizes he did all this and but yeah, all right, maybe just to keep it less complicated, if that's possible, we'll just chalk this up to Rand being exhausted and confused and tired and and hurting yeah. and all that stuff yeah. and maybe it's just like he's hanging out with his best friend Matt and they're having fun and it's just like oh,
0: Matt's already being a hooligan doing yeah it's just like things. kind of
1: this like um this uh relief this laughter mm-hmm. relief that mm-hmm. they're that he's experiencing like all right we're really stressed right now but I'm just having fun with yeah. my friend in this city right. and we're fucking around he wouldn't around be the first
0: like stupid teenage boy doing something that is ill-advised you yes know?
1: exactly exactly but yeah this this part with the white cloaks did confuse me because it was kind of like um explaining what they are children of the light all that stuff and then the second part where matt's pranking them and then
0: mm-hmm. rand
1: laughing i was confused because i'm like where's the where's the conflict here and rand's showing off his sword
0: yeah no they basically when matt destroys the cart and like whatever rolls off Mm -hmm. it and splashes the white cloaks um everyone in the area gets away because they know that the white cloaks are going to take offense to this and look for a target to attack and rand is the only one who doesn't have the good sense to leave so and of course he's also laughing right (laughs) so they immediately go like oh you they actually label him a dark friend and Lord Bornholm says, like, dark friends don't get away from us. Like, uh-huh. we'll find you again. You believe it. So, ultimately, not a great interaction. Um, no. Not good for keeping their heads low, like Moraine told them to. But, you know.
1: I mean, whatever. They're just trying to have a good time. Rand is out. Because Perrin, clearly also affected by this dream, could barely get out of bed. So right. he's totally yeah. he's totally out and exhausted. Yeah. So at least Rand's trying to get out there. I Yeah, I feel like i'm not offering a lot in terms of um explanation but it's just like there there's so much shit always going on above them it seems and so it's hard we to really figure don't out, know
0: anything at this point
1: right it's hard to figure out the motivation between people so to me it's just like listen matt's just trying to get out there have some fun throw some dirt or whatever yeah. he thinks is funny <laughs> flower uh, yeah. and then Rand's like, all right, this is funny. All right, I'm just trying to have fun, just let loose. Okay. I was just told that the love of my life, I'm not gonna be with her. So I just can I just get a beer somewhere? Is there a cavern? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Matt or er, Rand needs a good smoke from some good Two Rivers tabac- so, tobacco. Tobacco. Oh. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Tobacco. Right. So <laughs> yeah, the tobacco it's probably yeah. just tobacco. Or is it weed? Who knows? Anyway, hope the latter end of the chapter the last thing that happens that's kind of like we should get into is them Matt and Rand telling Tom about the dream so they actually they do confide in someone like Mm -hmm. we mentioned Tom's kind of the only adult that they feel like they can confide in Um, and Tom immediately tells them one that it's probably best to not tell Moraine yet because you can always change your mind if you don't tell her now but once the cat's out of the bag you can't put it back in type of thing. Mm-hmm. I get it. It kind of makes sense when they're not really sure if they should trust her. He also tells them never to say the word "ballsamon" out loud. <laughs> At least where anyone might overhear it, it's a very dangerous name where even if the Children of Light are not wandering the streets, like, no one wants to hear that word. So, don't say that. He also tells them that the names of the men um, likely, I think you said they were probably false dragons mm-hmm. that we heard from Ballsamon. Um are dangerous, too. Some of those names, he says, have been dead for nearly 2,000 years. He said Rowland Darkspain was dead 2,000 years ago. Hmm. So, when man- <laughs> man- when Rand and Matt ask who these men were exactly, the only thing Tom says is, men who shook the pillars of heaven and rocked the world on its foundations. But he doesn't believe that the White Tower used them, despite what Ballsy said. So... That's just his perspective on it. Don't tell Why me. Why would
1: right. he know anything about the White Tower?
0: This is where, well, who is this guy?
1: It's a good question. Yeah. Because way, way back when this would have been chapter, I don't know, it was when they got to Emmons after the Trolloc attack. And the mayor is trying to ask the Gleeman, like, hey, what do you know about Trollocs? You know the stories. And then the Gleeman is like, I don't know, stories. And now. Now he has all this background info on these people.
0: Right. And he Is he just making up a bunch of bullshit? Well, or it, that's he what I'm saying. Know.
1: It's like, are, you just hear about the White Tower, so how are you so sure that, oh, no, no, these people weren't used by the White Tower. How do you know? Something's up with this guy. Don't like him. But why? All of a sudden, he has all of this pretty helpful advice for the boys about this dream and how to, you know, decipher it and what to say, what not to say. Like, Telling, oh, no, 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 th- this, is, this isn't this is what you think it is, and that's not tell
0: Moraine. And the last thing huh. he says, they ask about the Eye of the World, which was dropped yeah. also by Balsam on Last Chapter, and he says it's a legend, maybe. A legend as big as the Horn of Valyr, at least in the Borderlands, which is up north. Up there, young men go hunting the Eye of the World, the way young men from Ilion hunt the Horn. Maybe a legend. Dot, dot, dot. Okay.
1: So that's obviously the title of this first book, right? What does that mean? Also, remember um, from parent—is this parents' parents' prediction from men? No, sorry, Matt's prediction. An eye on a balance scale—is that the eye of the world? Is that a reference to the eye of the world? In math? who knows? Who knows? Well, you do, but whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I think <laughs> I think that. That was meant to be very vague. Obviously, we're pretty—we're right. still in yeah. the first uh, third of the book, I'd say. Yeah. And so let's drop yeah. in. We're just I getting of the world breadcrumbs from. We them. are just yeah getting little teensy weensy things, but yeah. All right, I don't know the gleeman. Yeah, you know, you know my feelings on him. I don't trust this fucking dude. I'm I'm turning. I'm I'm putting him into the moraine and land category of. In that, I don't trust them. I mm-hmm. like Moraine and Lan more than
0: Mysterious Gleeman. weirdos.
1: It's just, he he can't just be a Gleeman. I don't know why he's part of this group. Everyone else, there is a connection involved, right? Except for him. Except that he is trusted by Moraine and Lan to keep their identity secret. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Lily's
0: actively pulling out her hair. <laughs> yeah, I. it's just, it's frustrating. So that... Ends the chapter. Now, why don't we get into your predictions for the rest? Yes. What you got? Welcome to my predictions. Okay.
1: So as we know, Nynaeve is in Berland. Let's go. So I think obviously she's here to rescue. I'm putting that in quotes. Rescue the boys and Egwene and bring them back to Emmonsfield. So mm-hmm. I think that Egwene... She's going to have to make a decision about whether to stay with Moraine or go back to Emmonsfield with Nynaeve, because she's Nynaeve's uh, apprentice wisdom, right? Right. I think she still is. So I believe she's going to choose to stay. And this is pretty much confirmed by Min's prediction, saying that Egwene is not going to resist her journey and becoming an Aes Sedai, so she's going to stay on this journey. But I'm going to continue with my prediction from a few chapters ago that Egwene's actually going to die before she reaches Tar Valon. And... Oh, I
0: forgot about that.
1: Once... Yeah, most of my predictions involve death, sorry. But I think that once Nynaeve hears of Egwene's death, she's going to blame herself um, for not forcing Egwene to abandon this whole journey. It's really going to affect Nynaeve because they have this really cool connection. But... Yeah, because, I, I mean, not just Egwene, but I don't think anyone is going to return with, with Nynaeve. I think they all are are pretty determined on this journey because it's taken them out of their comfort zone. And they're like, well, we have to stay on this journey because mm-hmm. we need to see where it's leading.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. They've already
1: committed. So that's one. Here's here's my main one. And I'm going to talk about Lan and his Min's prediction for Lan. Uh, okay, I'm excited. Which is... The seven white towers and the babe in a cradle holding a sword. Okay, that's pretty much what it was. Lan and Tam, they knew each other because they were both warders. And they were both at Kyrian when that battle happened about the tree sapling, Dara, mm-hmm. The one that Tam is talking about in his fever dream from the, the Westwood, I think it's called? Chapter yes. six? Yes. Yes. Um, So I also believe Lan is tied to how Ran survived on the slope of the mountain before Tam found him. Because if you remember, Tam is saying the babe was swaddled, but it was, there's no way it could have survived this mountain slope, but it did somehow. And I think, God, I want to think that has to do with Lan. But there's, to me, there's been a few connections in the past about Lan and and Tam in that um, when he was doing the training session with Rand and the sword. And Rand's like, oh, yeah, my dad taught me the flame and the void. And Land's like, what? What did you say? The flame and the right. void. That's something only us warders know. Yeah, it kind of made him pause. Right. And he never does that. He never gets tripped up. So I think that those two are connected. And it just, it all leads back to Tam, I think. And I think he's really important to this whole this whole thing and Rand obviously being important as his son, as his son, question mark, who who knows. But the Heron sword is con- continued to be mentioned in this chapter about how it's weird that Rand has it and it makes mm-hmm. him seem, or it, it, he doesn't fit with the sword that he has or something like that. Like the sword represents danger or represents maturity that Rand doesn't have yet because it's not his sword, right? It's Tam's sword. Or Mm -hmm. it represents only warders have a heron sword. There's something going on here. Okay. But I'm pretty sure the prediction is referencing Lan and this baby with the sword. That has to be Rand, right? I don't know. That's, that's, I hope that, Kind of made sense, but I really think that Tam is crucial to to a lot of Rand's story too. And Lan and Tam, I'm pretty sure, are in similar age groups. Yeah, I could see that. So I think they were both at this Kyrian battle, and Tam had to have been a warder. I think they had to know each other.
0: I mean, their names are too similar. Am I right? I Lan, mean, that's it. That's Tam, really it. Brand, that's really it. Bran, Bran, Egwene, Moraine,
1: Ineve. <sighs> Naive, Nyguive, There's so many people here. Right.
0: Exactly. All right. That's it. That's am I wrong? This Did that wraps, make sense? Wraps it up. It does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. No. Very interesting theories. I will say, your theories. There have been a few that have already proven themselves true, and I think some that are to come that you don't realize were right in their own way. Okay. But they are. Okay. Um, I will say in terms of min's visions there was one in particular that we can suss out already but i'm not okay. going to tell you okay uh, i'm not going to give you any hints there uh-huh it'll be a puzzle but great other than that um very exciting chapter there was a lot going on here lots of little moments that were cool and i know everyone is just as excited as us to meet nynaeve again next chapter it's going to yes. be a nineeve filled episode i can't wait Look Can't forward wait. to that next week. She's she's just an A plus character. Can't wait. Yes. Let's do it. Alright. Rate and review. Follow us on Twitter. We're Coplin Talk. Email us Copland Talk at Gmail. And we'll see you next week for what chapter? The Wisdom Nine Eve is back. Let's go. Alright, I think
1: that's all. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Goodbye. See you next Bye. week. Bye. Bye.